Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to make these beers disappear like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Demon Combat by, uh, what's her name? Is it King Solver? Barbara King Solver? It's King Solver, but I keep thinking it's King's Lover, and I know it's not that. I, yeah, my head was doing that too. And I'm like, mm, that's called a queen. Uh, but <laughs> Barbara Kingsolver. And uh, did we say who's starting with a beer? Me. And Nate's starting with, oh, oh Mike, fuck, okay. He? All right, he can Mike, do it. Someone do it. I haven't had a beer in like two hours. <laughs> so it, the main character, Demon Copperhead, spends much of his childhood, <laughs> I can't believe that dumb joke, spends much of his childhood uh, in foster care. And he's frequently malnourished and hungry, and he would probably eat anything, even like the crudités would be. <laughs> so this is from uh, other half. Nate, where do you think? Oh, when did I even get these? Um, no idea. Yeah, I was doing. We were doing research two hours ago. Uh, this is double dry hopped imperial IPA, eight percent alcohol. Only beer number six for the day. Jesus Lord. Oh man, that's good. This tastes so much better than Foster Care. <laughs> That's probably did, true. Did anybody get a Foster's? That would have been... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> one of those like weird like tub cans yeah, they that make. Giant, I like, got a Foster's for that water heater. one episode for that Australian, for that Australian book. Uh, and drank about Never one again. 30 second of it. Hey, that's not a son. That's a son. <laughs> foster's, foster's care. It's like Attorney General. general. So, Demon Copperhead. Why are we reading this? This won an award, right? This won the fucking Pulitzer. Pulitzer, And uh, I I only knew the name Barbara Kingsolver because I thought it said Kingslover. And she wrote the Poisonwood Bible, like, probably 15 years ago, which was an Oprah book. So I always thought it was shitty, but I never read it. I just assumed it was going to be shitty. It's apparently quite good. You know what? After reading this, I bet it is. I bet it's fine. I don't know. Oh, it's from 1998, 25 years ago. Jesus. Oh, you all right, Jimmy? Jimmy's not a fan of this book. Interesting. Okay, mediocre. Head too close to home. Yeah, it's all those years Jimmy sucked dick for math under a bridge. It's not that many years. In in dog <laughs> years. Oh well, in that case, yes, an entire dog's lifetime. Um, so, so this book follows the. It is it is like a modernization of David Copperfield by. Uh, Charles Dickens. Which none of us have read either. Nope. Yeah. So I didn't get any of the illusions. I did read the plot synopsis I just, on I Wikipedia. Just know the <laughs> illusions of David Copperfield. Just now? <laughs> and I think it was like a one-for-one replacement of everything from David Copperfield from what I've read. It's just like, oh, this character is the analog of that That's character. That's why a million things happened in this book. Mm. Everything happened in this book. I know we said that about other things lately, but literally everything this one, happened. This, this one for sure. So it follows the story of Demon Copperhead. Get it? Yeah? Not not David Copperfield. Demon Copperhead. It's like the uh, the store brand version of things. The Walmart brand. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like the RC the Cola. Step like, below RC Cola. Like the name is almost the same. It's like Cinnamon Toast Crunchies. Okay. So he is the child of a... Uh, well, he was for the first thing is he's born to a you know teenage mother who is a drug addict, and they live in a trailer, and 
It's in Virginia, right? Though it felt like West Virginia, it's, but it was actually it's Western Virginia. Virginia, but not West Virginia. <laughs> Oof. The forgotten region of Virginia. <laughs> Always overshadowed by West in Virginia. Lee County, which will be important they're in, later when, they're, when the p- football team is the Generals. Were they the Dukes of Hazard? They're in the General Lee? <laughs> 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 they're in Eastern West Virginia, is where they live. <laughs> but he's born like as his mother has like overdosed or something, or is just. Um, yeah, she drank herself out of consciousness. From her, from her, you know, her pillow. And abuse. the only reason why. They didn't both die is because the neighbor stopped by and was like, let me just check on that girl. And the neighbor, Mrs. Peggett, was like, oh, call the ambulance. And so they called 911. So there were and the ambulance in this neighborhood is just a dog and a hat. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the dog catcher. It's yeah. perfect crime. <laughs> It's a dog in a hat and two other dogs carrying a stretcher. Yeah, it's not even a Dalmatian. (laughs) They don't have those, yeah. Yeah, they're the most medically trained of dogs, from my understanding. It is a a comically poor place that they live. It's everything you heard about West Virginia, but it's not. It's Western Virginia. Every stereotype that you've heard of the South, it applies here. Of Appalachia, which is basically where they are. Well, that, I think that's what most people in the northern part of the United States, when they picture the South with quotes, they're picturing hill this. people. Yeah, the Ozark Mountain cousin fuckers. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're not picturing Florida. That's a different. That's a different beast. Yeah, or Texas. That's another different thing. But like, they're picturing hillbillies. The H word. I know. It's, I said it once. That's, that's their word. They just can't spell it. So they. Um, <laughs> He's born into abject poverty. His mother is a drug addict who is herself an orphan. And you find out throughout the course of the beginning of the book had been in foster care and abused physically and sexually. But that's kind of just glossed right over. That's pretty par for the course. Almost everything is glossed over because too many things happen. And she works at the Walmart. But then, like, she has her son and she tries to get her shit together. And then they have, like, you're like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those kind of books. Because I didn't read David Copperfield. I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. And she's an expert at... She's, she's an expert at trying to get clean because she's done it so many times. Mm. Oh, at the, at the 12th yeah. house. Yeah. Many, many a rehab. And she's well, I mean, like... It's kind of part of the program. It's, part, it's expected that you're not going to do it forever. Like you're going to... And... It's, relapse. It's built yeah. in. And, you know, in, and uh, uh, Demon, his first memories, or some of his earliest memories are like, as a little child helping his mother find her keys and find her shoes so she can go to work and like helping to take care of his mom when she's, you know, when he's very young and it doesn't get better after that. But you hear, okay, so he, you meet a lot of the most important characters at the beginning, uh, characters in the book, there's he and his mom and then there's the neighbors, which is Mrs. Peggett and her family and Mr. Peggett, their grandchild who who is the exact same age as him, who they're taking care of, because his mom is in prison, and his name is... Maggot. His name is Maggot, which is short for Matthew Peggot, but they shortened it to Maggot, because that's better. I really expected them to change that pretty quickly when he was, like, wearing lots of makeup and being a goth. They're going to change. They're going to drop one letter. They're going to swap there in Maggot, and I'm sure it did, but that really was nothing they they, uh, harped on. I mean, they did allude to in the book. 
Oh, yeah. When he was little, all the girl cousins were like, oh, he's so pretty. He has beautiful lashes. And it's like, I mean, also because I knew that I, David Copperfield, the book, was one of those um, Dickens books where he was doing like social commentary. Yeah. So this is just an updated version of that. I I half expected to be like, yeah, I guess he's going to be like a trans person or something like that. Like, he's just going to shoehorn every single thing in here. But Well, he was gay. Yeah, I, I was impressed that she held herself to gay. Yeah. <laughs> that she, that there was a lot like, of other shoehorning in this book. Well, yeah, that's how you get the butt drugs in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so there's a whole a very lengthy childhood thing, thing of there, you know... What Demon Copperhead reflects on later on is like his idyllic childhood, basically. It's like, that was great. I didn't realize how good it was of, you know, squalor, you know. He, and he didn't realize that he was like, everyone's poor. They, everyone they knew was poor, pretty much. But he didn't realize that he was way beyond poor. <laughs> you found a beer cold that? This is called Way Beyond. Oh, okay. Uh, this uh, is Finback. This is their pride beer. I'm not sure why. Uh, but it's an IPA with pineapple. So their pride beer has fruit in it. Subtle. Yeah. There was another beer at the store called Fruity Stripes. And I was like, that's just two on the nose, guys. Come on. <laughs> um, it, was, it was their pride beer, too. Like, I was like, oh, okay, odd. And it's good, you know. I don't really... I get a little pineapple. I don't get a lot. How strong is this shit? I don't know. Ooh. I believe they changed the fruit. I think that was watermelon a couple years ago. Watermelon beer never, never does it for me. This one's pretty good, though. But yeah, they're poor as shit. Like, in every every stereotype you ever heard of, he did that, but worse. They're like, picture Opie from fucking Andy Griffith. <laughs> like, shoeless child in overalls running around in a swamp. Except but, it's 1997. Yeah. But yeah, the Chumbawamba is playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just people, like, tying off in cars to shoot up. Like right next to the riverbank. Yeah. Everybody's parents, everybody has either dead family members who died of related to drugs or stupid accidents or are in jail or both. <laughs> dead in jail. <laughs> yeah. Well, we find out that Demon Copperhead's father has, he died before he was even born, died before Demon Copperhead was born. And he's a mysterious character. He's not even officially his father as far as the legal you know, uh, birth certificate is concerned. And the mom doesn't want to ever, not really talk about him. But he's a, a melungeon, or whatever like that word is. They said it about 700 times. Like, yeah, they say melungeon a lot. Well, I mean, this is the South. So, I mean, this is the, the South version of, um, of role-playing games. They're playing melungeons and grand, wiz- grand dragons. <laughs> and... <laughs> um, but they're, I looked them up, like, fascinating group of people. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like, like a, dark-skinned gingers. They're an amalgamation of, you know, just, they're, they're like the true Americans. <laughs> they're like a mix of Europeans and, and, and blacks and Native Americans, and they just, like, didn't want to pay taxes, so they hid in the hills. Like, oh, like <laughs> something for everybody there. The original the libertarians. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Of course, the libertarians are the gingers of the political world. It only makes sense. Uh, so then, you know, this is going on for a while. And after, like, years of this, I guess the first important thing is that they eventually take him, uh, they being the Peggots, take Demon with them to go visit their family in Knoxville, the big city of Knoxville. 
And he doesn't know why at first. He doesn't find out until he gets back. It's so his mother can get married to her boyfriend, Stoner, who is Who, ironically, a, is not a stoner. He drives a beer truck. He drives a beer truck, and he's just like a fucking macho prick asshole. Uh, but there, I guess the only important thing they really meet is that you meet Emmy, who will be an important character later, who is Maggot's cousin or cousin. something. Some sort because, of kin. Because the, the woman they're visiting is raising Emmy, even though Emmy is not her daughter either. She is someone else's daughter, but that person's dead or in jail or gone. I can't remember. Almost no one is it's, raised it's, by their uh, own it parents. It was her niece. Emmy is, yes. is, June is the woman raising her, is her, her aunt. It's her brother died, I believe. So it's just like, this is like background stuff. This is the kind of stuff that like other books might make. This is the trauma in the character's life. But for these characters, like that's just that's just what just it Tuesday. Is. The facts of life. I don't need to go tooty your own horn over these facts of life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you watched facts of life. Was that too new for you? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I mean, this is like blaring out these facts of life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Demon is like, and that's his name. That's Damon. Yeah, but everyone calls him Demon. Fighter of the Night, ma'am. <laughs> uh, and he loves Emmy. Oh, yeah, she's so hot. She's just, she's just so beautiful. So mature. But uh, he's still only like 10. And then he gets back from Knoxville to find out that his mom is now married to this guy named Stoner, who is quite the asshole and... Makes him like, you know, scrub the bathroom with his toothbrush and stuff like that. He's like, he's like part drill sergeant, but also just abusive prick. Like, you know, like you didn't answer me right. And like, you know, just like picking weird battles to fight with a child. And the mom is powerless against it. She's like, I got a man to stick around. I guess I'm going to tolerate this shit, which is. And she's relatively sober for the time being. Right. For a while, but the but but he has her like a has her in thrall. Or he he insults her and belittles her too. You know, he's one of those people. You know, most character caricatures of men who make themselves big by belittling the women and children around them. Because <laughs> mm. he's a fucking beer delivery guy, which is nothing wrong with that. But you're not the doing captain, God's work, the king of the world, when you're doing that kind of work. Just king of this so podcast. We will <laughs> hang out with you, but he wants to think he's a big shot. And so how does he, do? he finds people who are like lower status and then treats them like dog shit. Class act. And then after months of their marriage, not long, uh, she, uh, his mother relapses and like takes way too many drugs and demon discovers her like literally dying. And he's like, call 911. And he's like, no, she'll be fine. It's like, no, call 911. And so then they fight, and then he calls nine one one, and then the uh, they they he rides with her in the ambulance, and he has like only the clothes he's wearing, and he gets there, and she lives, but it uh, he never essentially lives with her ever again. We skipped. There's a part, an incident previous to this where he does something to piss off Matt, uh, Stoner, and Stoner locks him in his room for days, like piles up weights against the door so the child can't open it and then and they have a fight or somewhere around here maybe right before he locked him in the room they have a fight where he grabbed he grabbed a 10 year old grabbed the kid and like held him in this like hook and they you know fight and the kid bit him in the hand 
So Stoner uses this as an excuse to the social workers who show up uh, after the mom's overdose to be like, I don't want that kid in the house. He's trouble, you know. Put him in foster care. And that sets off the next um, book. But yet he can't, like, um, for some reason the pickets can't take him in because he's made a complaint about them as well. Oh, yeah. Demon, uh, he uh, Stoner alleges that they have, like, molested Demon. And he also had forbidden Demon from seeing Maggot because Maggot was, you know, you know, quote unquote gay. So he's like, I don't want you seeing him. He's a, he's a problem. So he just said, Yeah, those people are perverts. And therefore, the, he, uh, uh, what the fuck is his name? Demon couldn't go with him. So then he goes to the first of many rounds of foster care. Um, even though his mom's not dead, she's like in. She's like in and out of rehab, and the social workers are like, "You can't like stay with her yet because she can't handle it." But you can go live with this with this guy who like has a farm and takes in foster kids. But also like, but he's also creepy. But he's also not like good to them. He's not like a father. He's just like, I need help on the farm, and just makes them all work because he gets paid by the state for taking in some of them to take in these children. And he takes them in when it's, like, um, efficient for his farming. (laughs) Like, around harvest time, he takes in those kids and feeds them the bare minimum, clothes them the bare minimum, doesn't even send them to school, keeps them home to make them work on his farm. He just sees them as, like, some some sort of, like, indentured servants. So they can get nicotine poisoning harvesting tobacco. Well, it's the only way you could, you you know, protect your lungs and still get nicotine. You rub it into your into your hands, and one of the and all the other all the boys who live at this farm, they love the one older guy named Fast Forward. That's his name because he's the football star of the town, and he lo- he loves VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> but does he rewind? Never. Anyway, so everyone loves. Uh, everyone is like. All the other kids look up to this guy because he's um, he's the orphan, but he's also the football star, so he's popular. He has a car, and girls are always like trying to be his girlfriend. He is much older than most of, he, of the other three kids and, there, and you find out sort sort of eventually, or you know, that he's a sociopath. But you know, at the time, it was like this is the kid that made it out of foster care because he's you know on the football team. He's a star athlete in a in a town where the football t- football players are gods amongst men. So he's the high school quarterback, which is the fucking Zeus of that pantheon. Mm. And he's charming and, you know, knows how to manipulate people. So he just, like, walks on water at this farm. And the boys are just, could not be, any, any, any throwaway attention he gives to them, these, like, poor neglected children <laughs> latch on to this manna from heaven and he's a fucking monster you find out later <laughs> but he does encourage demon to draw his um comic books or draw his like comic book characters because demon's always been into comic books and uh and sort of this becomes a thing that he starts to do which is like being good at drawing and like especially like this comic book thing which you know, in the 90s was still seen as, you know, not a true art, mostly just, like, shit for fun. What else do you use your shit for, Nate? <laughs> not for for business? 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. If Not you're just German, for fun. if you're German, I think that that's business and pleasure. <laughs> Eventually, Demon starts going back to school, but he's still living it. He's still living in the foster foster farm, and he like starts going back to school, and 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 uh, it's like going okay. He there are some teachers there that are like. Very, one is a history teacher and one is an art teacher at the high school. We're like, oh, you have some real talent. But that's that's not for a while. Well, he, he starts to meet them for the first time. Uh, but then eventually it's his birthday. So he's turning 11 and he gets this like note that like, oh, the principal needs to see you or, you know, and, and he's like, oh, and he shows up. He's like, <laughs> what I do did, now is, is what really he's like, did mom come to like you know wish me a happy birthday did mom come did my mom come mother come and like you know bring me a thing is am i finally going to get to see her because he's only seen her a little bit before and instead it's the social worker who's there and it's like oh is my mom here for me and she's just sobbing and then she says no i'm sorry she's dead this is a social worker who is like i'm only doing this till i get a better job and I don't want to shit on anyone's career choices, but she was like, you know what's a better... I'm going to become a classroom teacher in Virginia. Kindergarten. <laughs> Kindergarten, you're like, well, that's, that's not where the money is. Well, I guess it's less depressing than being a social but worker. But it, it was a move up from being a social worker. You be a social worker for 30 children. <laughs> <laughs> All at once. But she was... She, you know, so, you know, he had two different social workers i feel like yeah well the first one cuz she was like i'm sorry i am i'm going to stop being a social worker to become a public school yeah. teacher this is one of the many i mean we could we'll probably say this at any point throughout the episode but if this is commenting on society uh the commentary in this whole section is about how our systems completely fail children in need well they they bounce I don't him think back anyone needed a book to know that. They bounce him back and forth because the first social worker he has is the old woman who like doesn't give a shit anymore. And then he's like real excited to get this new young one that really seems to care. And She's she does. Cute, yeah. She she cares about the kid still, but she is leaving soon. And when she does She's powerless. You know, yeah. I mean they're all powerless. There's I mean, I, I imagine in a place in a more red state, there's even less for these people to do because there's less funding for them and less infrastructure for these kind of people. Not to say that the blue states have figured it out either, but like... This is know. also like the 90s when it was probably even worse. Oh, yeah, they were like, fuck those poor kids. Yeah, <laughs> They should have been, shouldn't have been born poor. <laughs> <laughs> have they tried not being born poor? Get, pull, get a job, get a paper route. Get, get a loan from your dad. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the all, all the... Adults are like, yeah, this is fucked up, but well, that's the end of my shift. See you later. Like nobody really cares in any like human way. Well, <laughs> they, they like, care, but they also just can't do anything because it's not even that demon. It's not like demon is the only child in this situation. There are many. Yeah, there, there, and there are children in worse situations, and he's kind of understanding of that. It's like, yeah, it could be worse. Like he's actually like, he's a fucking very positive attitude. I mean, he's the met book. the other kids in foster care, and you know, like, oh yeah, no, that's that's bad. That's very bad. Well, he meets. In addition to meeting, fast forward, he meets uh, was it Tommy Waddles, and um, and who was like the fucking special needs homunculus? Swap out. Mouth. <laughs> swap out. Who's like they don't know how old he is, but he's like clearly much older, and he's, he's like looks like a toddler. <laughs> 
It's like the plot of that movie, Orphan. <laughs> he has he has no lines. They just describe him talking and everyone having trouble following him. What he says, he he speaks in unintelligible gibberish, and likes rolling around in filth. He's like a feral child. It turns out he was just French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, swap out. Uh, but he like he's like these guys, these guys have seen some shit. I guess I can't complain. No one's diddled me. Yeah. So that's like one of the themes of this of the whole book, of course, is social. Exactly. No one diddled me. <laughs> Poor me. <laughs> that was the uh, di- diddling was the theme of the uh, adult version of the original David Copps David Copsafiel. <laughs> it's all about diddling. No. So his mother Eight, is dead on. <laughs> on his eleventh. Uh, it's, it's on his eleventh birthday, and his mother is dead, and his you know. Foster father or stoner like definitely doesn't want him back, and so he is now like, and he asks the Pegots, you know, the Pegots like take him for a little while, but only a little while. I was like, you know, I just we just can't like take in another child. We are getting older, and you know, we just we just can't do it anymore. And he's like, no, I understand, but he's also like heartbroken. And it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. no, it's oh, like gosh. really, really sad. And of, co- of course, you understand like the Pegasus because they're they're old and sick, and you know not doing well. And they're they have the, uh, their own grandchild that they have to like raise as a child because the mom is in their prison. Daughter's in jail. Yeah. Do we say what she's in jail for? Because she's a fucking badass. She's that lady. in jail for uh, jokering her abusive partner. He would. I mean, he was abusive. Is is not giving it enough detail like oh yeah how he would just you know physically like, he would like tie her up outside and leave her overnight because she like talked back so he can go out and cheat on her and go fuck around yeah and so she with the asleep, with the infant she, in the house and just have her yeah, so we can the, the listen to the child sobbing and screaming all night that's a fucking nightmare scenario and so she fucking mutil and because he was a good looking guy and everyone's like don't that guy's a, that guy's a dick Foreshadowing for several of the characters in the book. Um, just because they're charming and good looking doesn't mean they're good people. And she fucking mauled his face. And of course, at that point, that would have been the late 80s, I guess. Like, very quickly became one his word against her word. And all the good old boys in town were like, yep, that's a crazy bitch, all right. And they sent her to jail for like 15 years or something like that. 13 years. A long time. You never meet never. her. She's never out of prison for the whole oh, book. Yeah. Well, the very end, like, you find out. The very end, she's out. She's like out, but she, you, you but she's hear out she's book. out, but she's not in it. Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> but like minor a, a, character a, spoiler. Reading, reading now, I was like, this woman, fucking, she fucks. Good for her. She should have cut that. And they, I think it's mentioned like that. Lorena Baba didn't happen yet. Otherwise, she probably would have cut off his dick too. But she, she should have cut his dick off. Fuck, that would have been. Fucking sweet justice. <laughs> so anyway, eventually Demon gets placed into a new home with the time macabres. Yeah. So he he gets he gets placed into a family, <laughs> but this isn't actually better because they have four children. They're incredibly poor and have four children of their own. And was it four? They had two. It doesn't matter. They have, they have two. They have two regular ones, and then they just had the twins. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, you're right. They do have four. I forgot about the little ones. And so, and they don't they have no dialogue. They get, like don't yeah. have enough money for him 
but they're like they're getting a check from the government for like a couple hundred bucks a month to like take care of him. To, but then the supplement their family. yeah. But then the <laughs> father is like, so you're gonna help like chip in for food and stuff, and he's like, I'm eleven. What am I gonna do? But he still the does go out and like, get a job in work at the age of eleven. Stoner gets him the job. Stoner helps them find the job. He gets a job at like the weird gas station place sorting through trash for like car batteries and stuff. And as it's clearly a front for cooking meth. <laughs> yeah. He, he mentions like, Oh yeah. And they get, you know, every type of Sudafed that ever existed, they get, you know, 200 pounds of it every month and people just come and bite and they like trade their, and people come and dump their trash in like, just use it to get Sudafed, which is used to make meth. If you've ever seen, um, breaking bad. You knew that. Or lived it. Uh, and so then he's like working there, but then the family, the macabres, they they still don't have enough money. And then eventually, because the, the father just like, you know, can't ever hold down a job, uh, they eventually take demons money to pay their rent. And then he like goes crazy it's like what what are you doing and then eventually i mean that's when they're like the 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 macabres are gonna get evicted out of their home and he's also been living in the backyard outdoor room that was clearly the dog room (laughs) with the washing machine well the dad has like a bunch of failed business he has a bunch of get rich quick schemes and grifts that don't work out because he's an idiot He's an idiot, but he's also a veteran, so maybe he's just fucked up. He's also, uh, I think he's he's got he's one of those guys who thinks he's like too good for anything, and he just yeah. fucks everything up because he's like, oh, well, this is beneath me, so why would I keep doing this? Like, why would I take orders from that guy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I can't work for him. Like yeah. one of those types. And the wife is like, we can only we're not going to buy cheap furniture. We're only going to buy the very best. And he's like, well, that's why it gets repossessed because you can't afford the payments on it, you dummy. And they're just pawning everything they own all the time. They're just highly dysfunctional. But there's a scene where a demon like loses his shit in a car on her, which is great. They're driving, and he and I gotta find a quote. No, it's, it's, is it when he she says like she doesn't want her, the kids to get bullied? He's like, well, they know that I live with you, and I look like shit. So if I look like shit, they're gonna think your kids are poor. Yeah, and but then he like. She says something like... She sends him into the pawn shop to, like, pawn the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the pawn shop guy is like, listen, kid, just just bring her out here. I already know, like, what this is. Because even the pawn shop guy is like, I know what this is. Oh, is this real cubic zirconium? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find the quote. It was really good. But, like, something with the fact that she's like, you're scaring me, or you want me to be afraid of you? He's like, you, sh- you don't like, you should be afraid of me. Like, you don't know who the fuck I am. And then she's like, all right, fine, we're going to Walmart. We're going to buy some clothes. Don't kill me and my family. But he has to, he has to go to that that deep, scary level to get these people to be decent. Like these people were just fucking ripping off the system and using it as child labor. I mean, they're, they're, they're making the child work illegally in an unsafe condition so they could take his money, and they're not feeding him enough. Like, he, they get, it's very clear he's a big kid. Not like over, not like a euphemism, like he's a fat kid, but like he's, he's tall, tall for he's his large. Age. He's growing like a weed. They're not giving him clothes that fit. He's like, he's like eating the scraps at the cafeteria that the other kids throw out, like, because he's so fucking hungry. 
is horrendous. And then these scumbags are just like, well, we're going, we only, you only need one sandwich, son, you're a child. You know, but so he has to, he has to threaten them to get them to do the barest minimum. It's like, well, but then they disappear from the book pretty quickly afterwards. So who cares? Well, they're fleeing and moving back uh, with her family. And he's like, I guess I'll just leave. Ohio. Yeah. And then he ends up with a new family. So, no, then he, like, decides to, like, no. cut out on his own. He's like, I've, I have $172 oh, I've right, earned. Yeah. I forget how much it is. Oh, yeah. but It was a few. It was like. It was a hundred and change. I think it was a few hundred bucks. I mean, it was quite a lot. W- once they started, like, taking his money, he started keeping his own money hidden in, like, a peanut was, butter jar or something was, like that. He was boofing it. Yeah. And he has a jar of his life savings. And he hitchhikes and meets a whole bunch of random people. And I really liked, he's trying to go to like Uni, Unicoin or something like that. that. was the name of the... He's county. trying to find his grandmother. Yeah, but he's, it's a place called like Unicoin or something like that. Yeah. And then somebody picked him up and they were like, I love unicorns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, okay, cool. <laughs> the time before there were furries. And eventually he gets to a truck, a uh, highway rest stop where a, you know, grizzled woman of the night veteran hooker it's like you're looking for a good time he's like no thank you i am 12 but she she follows him to the bathroom and she's you know savvy and ways to rip people off and he's a child who's scared and alone and she basically concocts a scheme to get his money from him she notices his jar full of money as he's trying to count it uh in the bathroom and then and then she just she notices and then she just starts screaming and says he stole my money she says he stole my money and everyone is like listen kid don't steal this lady's money give the money back you don't don't steal do i need to call the police give the money back to the lady he's like but it's mine and then eventually he uh, he just has to like give it give the Either someone takes it from him, or I forget what happens. But uh, he has to. The, the, the clerk takes it, but he did, he hits him with the like impeccable logic of, if it's hers, ask her how much money is in the jar, and they never do. They're just like, it's a grown up. You're a kid. Shut the. But even though they know she's a fucking hooker yeah. who sucks off trucks, and she like says, I don't, I don't know how much it is. I just, it's just my spare change that I just put in the put in the jar, and it's like, well, okay. It, but there's like a hundred dollars in bills too. Like she doesn't even know there's bills. Like, and they're all just like, "This is a grown up." It's a, this was you know that John Mulaney thing. This is back when anything an adult said was true. And like, if a kid, you know, did you ever see that bit? Where like, if a grown up came to your parents, and they was like, "Ma'am, your child bit me on the penis." And they'd be like, "How did you do that, son? How dare you? <laughs> what were you bite, biting this nice man's penis?" Like, no matter what, like it'd be a homeless drifter said, "Your child bit me on the penis," and like you'd be in trouble. Like that's clearly what's happening here. And, and this like, is oh, f- fuck these people. This is also uh, he as a as a child is getting the among the first inklings that something is changing where he lives because the hooker is just like. Come on, I just need a forty or an eighty, you know, man, just a little bit to just to get to get me going. And he's like, I don't know what that is, but as adults living now, we know she is a an oxy addict, which is what I his mother died from, but he didn't know what it was yes. at the time either. Yeah, I don't know. He the said, "What's oxycotton?" I don't know the timing of this. Like, when did that? It was around that. I mean, I know it was around. Like, when did? I guess, I guess that's one of the things people have said in recent years. Like, 
you know, the, the people who, who were like shielded from the, the opioid epidemic didn't realize or didn't know or didn't care to know that was happening. But it must have been happening for years. Like. So it was, yeah. okay. So I actually read a book about this. The book is called The Empire of Pain by Patrick Red and Keefe. And it's basically about the Sackler family. Is this a sequel to The House of in Pain? In Purdue. The, I think it's called. Yes. <laughs> jump, jump around. around. <laughs> jump around. Um, jump up. Jump up. So it was. Get down with us. It awesome. was especially, it was, okay. So in the 90s and into the 2000s, this was like when the, this, this, you know, one company, Purdue Pharma, which was selling OxyContin, and they had a, they had a patent on this thing. Which they claimed because the because the opiate had like a coating around the pill, they said it won't cause uh, addiction. Which was, of course, total bullshit. Like that study was it's a candy coating. <laughs> it's like M and M melts in your mouth. Like that study was like not uh, t- was not well done. But they claimed that it was n- it, so. They claimed it was not going to cause addiction. They got a patent for it, and they pushed it to doctors, saying that we need to help treat people's pain and we have this new way which can be done without uh without causing addiction now uh but here's the problem it absolutely caused addiction when it was used in like almost any way and so and so it and and the company because you know they get paid more the more people buy it they were just in you know pushing it to doctors or they were like telling doctors to do this and doctors are making commission and then they have the sales reps that are making commission and there was a lot of just looking the other way as as lots of people were clearly abusing it as a drug just and and so the company was making millions and millions and millions of dollars and then at the end, so patents run for twenty years, and so right at the end of like the like when their when their patent was about to run out, Purdue Pharma they make a new filing to the FDA, and they say, "Turns out this isn't safe. You shouldn't allow any generic competitors to you know generic brands of the same thing. What you should do is allow us a new patent on a new thing, which is." <laughs> a new coating around the around the um, around the opiate drug, which was actually effective. So the first coating wasn't effective as as like people could just scrape it off or just like get rid of it and then use and then just abuse the drug. The new one was very effective, and so people who had been addicted to the opiates as like a drug suddenly like couldn't. Uh, just like buy tons of it on the black market and then use it because it just didn't it was didn't work anymore. So that's when Instead they turned they to heroin. heroin, and that's when the hair <laughs> that's is much cheaper. because heroin is way cheaper, and you didn't need to get this like stupid fucking coating off of it. And so that's when like heroin addiction in America went way way up. And it didn't really end the oxy abuse, no. even though during COVID people are still being ravaged by it. I mean, I know a lot. I mean, I know people who... I never heard anyone complain about the coding of it. People just... Well, that was back well, when we were, like, in middle school. But, like, 10 years ago? Like, was that coding thing? So I mean, this is know. when there was a change from, when, from like, the first version to the second version. First so version, it was easy just to get rid of, apparently. But the second version, it wasn't. I just know that 10, 15 years ago, I know plenty of people who were just fucking, like essentially pulverizing these pills and snorting them. Yeah, if you if you if you snort them or smoke them. It's it, like the, the coating, coating doesn't matter, matter anymore then. Yeah. Yeah, if you're willing to grind it up and then snort it, it's fine. The 
the coating is like an inert material at that point. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a little flavor. Yeah. Let me tell you the story. I think I must have told you that my dad it was take take retarded amounts of Vicodin. <laughs> He had a doctor in the, in the late 90s, early Same 2000s. company. That's Purdue Pharma. Same it's company. It's Hydrocodone, I believe, is the um, yeah, generic name for that. And, you know, for like orthopedic shit, like he had like his knee replaced and like, here's a bunch of Vicodin. And his doctor was prescribing him something like three, it was like taking like three of whatever the maximum dose at the time was of Vicodin a day. And like, here's, some, here's like a month's supply. Come back in a month and get more. And... The doctor at one point said, you're not taking all of these, right? (laughs) (laughs) I gave you a bunch of extra. Like those are, you're not, you're not taking them all, right? He's like, no, no, I'm not. Don't worry about it. And and then the doctor never said, what are you doing? (laughs) Oh, good, good. And and actually earlier on, the doctor had said, don't take them all at once. Break it in half, take the half. And then a little while later, take the other half. Like, oh, that's a different, that makes it, that's all different. And it's like, that makes no difference at all if I take a half now and in 15 minutes I take the other half of the fucking horse tranquilizer that you're prescribing me. Ridiculous. It's horse heroin. Horse heroin. I love that band. So people uh, are actually abusing horse tranquilizers right now. Ketamine is very in. People also are abusing horse dewormers. That's that's science. That's, that's just that's just that's just science. Yeah. Uh, Joe Rogan says that's medicine, so it is. It's medicine. It's just who you. If you ask Mister Ed, he will tell you. <laughs> it is. It is actually ivermectin does get mentioned in this book. It just randomly gets passed by. That's because they use the fucking horse syringes to inject these drugs. Oh my god! Because you can get, you can get the syringes really easy. Well, you just pour it into your urethra. You don't need a syringe for that. Ooh. If you've been sounding properly. Oh, well, of course. Nate's nodding in agreement. So he <laughs> then gets <laughs> placed and... Um, well, then he gets... He, finds the, he grandma's goes house. to find grandma. He hitchhikes and he walks and he's like near death. His like shoe has fallen apart. It's held together with like a fucking piece of garbage. He's been yelled at and jeered by fucking hill people. And, and he's looking for... And the they're all relative. like, you mean the witch lady? You're looking for yeah, the, the witch lady? The only relative witch he knows lady? he has Yeah, the witch the, lady. The dead father who he's never met's mother who he's also never met. And so, and her name was Betsy, I want to say? Yes, Betsy sure. Duvall. Betsy Woodall. Like Betsy DeVos. No, Betsy Woodall. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yep, you look like him. All right, fuck it. Let's figure you out. And they go into her house, and it's like a weird place. And she... Has a, always has like an adopted daughter that she's like trying to better, but she hates young men. <laughs> and then she has like this weird fucking baby man brother. <laughs> <laughs> the, weird, the weird like brother who's like in a wheelchair. And I guess, I imagine kind of like a mute Leslie Jordan in a wheelchair. Wait, who's Leslie Jordan? <laughs> Is that his name? Leslie Jordan? That, that, that small guy who just died? It was like the old gay guy in every TV show. Like Will and Grace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was picturing something like that. <laughs> that with like progeria. Um, yeah. But he yeah, also is old. It, it's her brother who's half still in his mother. Like there's like bits of him missing. <laughs> and he, but he sits in and a he wheelchair. Loves kites. Yeah. And he writes poems on kites. And she is an uber feminist. And you're like, what does this whole mean? I don't know what the social commentary for this section was. <laughs> It wasn't as overt as the drug or foster care part. 
hitting you in the head with a sledgehammer with it. But one of the uh, young women that she like took care of went off and married this guy and then died. But that guy clearly owes her a favor. So she's like, I know. I'm going to have you like you can't stay here because I don't I don't I don't take care of men but you can live with this other guy. You'll like him. And so he lives back home where you yeah, live. Yeah, exactly. So he's his wife who passed away was one of my one of the one of the girls I my raised. Rescues. Yeah, one of And so you can go live with him. He his name is Coach Winfield, because he is the... It's actually his first name. He, yeah, he, that he, does, he literally doesn't have another name. Uh, he, and he is the football coach of your high school, the, uh, the Lee Generals. And so you're going to go live with him. Yeah, they're called the Generals, the Lee Generals. And it's a Dukes of Hazard thing, clearly. And well, it's <laughs> also like thing. Lee County, and they're named the Generals. Oh, oh I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. Robert E. Lee. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but we're supposed to think these are hill people, right? And don't you think they probably wished that they named their team the Wizards? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is from Other Half. It's called The Wizards. <laughs> it is a double dropped IPA that's 8.5% alcohol. Nate, I don't know where these things are coming from. I don't know where they got them. <laughs> no, uh, I have never seen them before. Uh, so he goes and he moves in to Win- Coach Winfield's mansion. By their standards, which means it's a fucking three-bedroom house. So, <laughs> I, so in I can okay. So I have not read David Copperfield, but I assume this is the part where David Copperfield goes from his like dirt poor. Uh, you know, beginnings to like living to like a slightly more like you know upper class household, you know, and so this is because it's the story of him moving up in life. So in in Demon Copperhead, it's not an aristocratic family. It's the football coach. And that gives him the like social status to be popular rather than just like the dirt poor kid. Because you know football is everything in the South. Football is life. And and Demon like he gets there and he first he meets Angus, which is which is the coach's daughter which is Colonel Angus. For <laughs> <laughs> so Angus, which is coach's daughter, which is her name is actually Agnes, but everyone calls her Angus because it was like a funny way to make fun of her. Because everybody she gets fucking, a stupid nickname. She reclaimed it. She did the queer thing. She was like, you know what? Fuck yeah, Angus. And they're like, that's not fun anymore. And so she owned it. They called her Angus because she was like, you know, because she's like really smart and thinks she's better than everyone around her. <laughs> so like, and for the most part, she kind of is. Yeah, totally. She is. She's one of the more reasonable characters. Um, but she also has a fucked up childhood too. Like her mom is dead, and her dad just cares about football and just gives her a cre- his credit card and, and her. And is an alcoholic. The dad is or her? Coach is an alcoholic. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to pound those PBRs. Got to hydrate. And so, uh, and, but yet also uh, the, like the father is like just distant and all he cares about is drinking and coaching football, but yet he has this assistant named U-Haul. Cause he carries yeah, that's, stuff. That's what they call a group of people in the South, like you all, and, <laughs> but it sounds different to us in the North. So in David Copperfield, this character's name was Uriah Heap, U-H, you know, so Isn't it's... Isn't that a band? <laughs> I feel like I that was a band. I think it actually is a band. 
I feel like they had like one yeah, song. You're right. like, I want to if I ruled the world or something like that. What was their fucking song? Nate, how do you not know this? You saw them at Woodstock. What is their What the <laughs> fuck is two there? classic albums? I don't know. I know the name of the band. I think I'm thinking of a different band with that song, but uh, their bassist name was Dave Rimmer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe the first thing you look for is the bassist today. <laughs> oh, that was just the one with the funny. That was a funny name. The rest of them. Who gives a unru- shit? Oh, actually, the guitarist name is Mick Box. That's a pretty ridiculous name. I'm looking at the rest of their names. They they look like just collections of letters from a Scrabble board. Like I don't. Their biggest I mean, hit is July Morning, Look at Yourself. I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know. But yeah, Uriah Heep is a band. Song, and they are named after the guy in David Copperfield, who is a bad guy, kind of, among the bad guys. He's a dick. Like U-Haul. U-Haul is a, is a dick. You know what? I used U-Haul last week. They were fucking great. <laughs> 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 fucking Not sponsored. It was a... <laughs> I went to a fucking. We tried to rent a truck That'd from be a, a deep different cut company to get sponsored by. <laughs> the guys book club brought to you by U-Haul. <laughs> Don't drink in haul. You lose all your shit, but you need to cart it away. U-Haul. <laughs> we went to rent a truck somewhere else, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we don't have the truck." I was like, "What do you mean? We we, we reserved it. We paid money." And they're like, "Yeah, we don't have it." And the guy was like, "Here's what's going to happen. You're going to call the one eight hundred number, and they'll find you a truck." And in the normally in these situations, I just kind of like okay, but I was cranky because I had to wake up early for this bullshit. And in a movement, made my wife so excited. She was like, "I can't believe you're still a man." <laughs> I went, I went, no, you're gonna call them. And she was like, "I'm so." <laughs> but then they didn't find a truck, so I had to go to U-Haul. <laughs> but. <it> was... <laughs> Like, I can't That's what you get. Like, I'm not a total pussy. So I, I went to U-Haul. They were great. They were fucking great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so U-Haul is a bad guy, kind of, but he's like a goon. He's not really... He is a goon. So he, he's at first he pretends to be person. the assistant coach, but he's actually not. Assistant to the coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just carries the shit around, like all the gear. He doesn't actually do any coaching. And then eventually, later, he kind of becomes a bad guy. But you you know he's a, a jerk, but, you know, he doesn't kind of do anything. So Demon ends up going back to his old high school, except now he's, because he doesn't have, because he's not poor, and he's living with the football coach, who's a god, now he's popular. And because Demon is like a uh, big guy, I mean, for his age, I mean, he's entering ninth grade, or he's entering eighth grade, I think, He's entering eighth grade. Yeah, he joins JV. And the coach is like, yeah, you know what? Come out for football practice. You, 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 you know, you have a thing. And actually, even like the first day that Demon is meeting the football coach, the coach is like, you know what? Go long. Let's see if you can catch this. And then Demon feels like his like acceptance. Boy. His acceptance into the family is, you know, based on like, oh, I might be good at football. Not like love and affection, like a family, but just like, oh, coach might to help take might take care of me if I'm good at football. So I need to be good at football. But he's a big guy, so, you know, for his age. So he is, so he is actually kind of good at football. So it goes out for the team. And he and he, he gives all he gives it his all. Yeah. He 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 he's like a slave for the coach, at least in the beginning. Which all the boys on the team are. They 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 whatever he says is gospel. And this is around the time you meet the other teacher, the black teacher. 
the one black teacher married to the white lady and everyone does not approve. I like there's well, a line. Where some the, the parents don't approve uh, in one off, like one throwaway line. But besides that, everyone else seems to not care. They don't, they, the only issue is the time when the guys came in honking their horns with the Confederate flag. Waking from, they had like an American flag and a Confederate flag on the back of their pickup truck. And I love the, the teach the black teachers first. I'm like, all right, first of all, those countries fought against each other, so they shouldn't be on the same fucking car. Like that's stupid. And the kids are like, yeah, it does actually make sense. These fucking idiots. But uh, I like that he said about the white wife thing. Demon says, you know, parents would say things like, how could she marry? Like they would never say, how could she marry him or how could she marry a black guy? But like, how could she marry? You know, she, she's better than better than that. And he's like, but you know very well, she's an art teacher with tattoos. She would be too bad, too shitty for any white guy in town. Like she's the kind of person that no matter what she did, she's going to get talked about. And but they're they're also observant. from somewhere else. They're from Chicago. There's some funny like little accent jokes in there. But they keep offering me this this cheese and tomato casserole and calling it pizza, and I know it's not. <laughs> Where's the red gravy? <laughs> uh, there was another. Oh, but his wife is the art teacher. And she and the the guy who uh, the, the teacher I'm forgetting his name and I really feel bad I keep calling him the black guy but he's the only black one in the book. It's like he's, Armstrong or some shit. He's that sounds right. He's a guidance counselor and ELA teacher, which just shows you how underfunded Virginia schools are. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like demon demon Copperhead. I think you might be like you know you might be like actually a gifted child. Yeah, you might be actually very very bright. Which is terrible at math, but gifted at art. Well, he says you're very resilient. You know, you're a very resilient person. He's like, I don't know what that fucking means. I'm sorry. I'll change. He's like, no, that's a good thing. And then he hooks him up with the, the, the wife to give him art lessons so he could learn. And he's a, kind of like a natural. He's just from reading comic books, has figured out, no, this is how you draw a face. This is how you draw this. And she's like, all right, we're going to learn how to do, you know, other media. And that goes on for a while. And you're like, oh, cool. He's he's one. End of book, right? And like, no, it's forty eight percent into the book. <laughs> like literally, the book is, not, is about halfway through right now. And then, so like, school is going pretty well for him, and uh, he's on the football team, and he's like, you know, hanging out with the popular kids, and everything's going great. And then, in a football game, he gets injured. His, like, in a, like, big tackle, his, like, knee gets bent the wrong way and gets, like, really badly hurt. And, of course, he's like, no, I can still play. But it's he's in a ton of pain. And then the doctor... Like, Dude, your leg is on backwards. Yes. Yeah. And can't play. And, of course, the doctor uh, prescribes, who, like, prescribes OxyContin. And that's how well, he it's like, gets hooked. He says, you, you, you can, uh, we'll get it checked out, but the next appointment to get an MRI is in three weeks, so we can't get it scanned till then. So, you know, we got to, you know, because you got to use the real machines at the hospital far away because we were in Podunk and there's nothing here. So until then, let's just dope you up. And they do. They, they put him on everything, like a variety of pills. So he's never like, he's in like a stupor for weeks. He's also started kind of seeing this girl because he's popular from being on the football team. And there's a whole funny passage of like, you know, there's the um, homecoming court that he's going to be homecoming king or whatever, homecoming duke, duke or something. And all the girls are asked, like trying to be his date. And they're like, homecoming's high cyclops. Yeah. 
<laughs> Homecoming wizard. <laughs> and they're putting like cookies in his fucking locker and notes and like porn pictures, basically. And then he gets um, a pair of panties is put in his locker. And the guy next to was like, open your locker. I think there's something cool in there. And then they open it up and he's like, fucking, are they used? He's like, How would I know? He's like, you, you smell them. You fucking... Get in, you oh. get in there, and he does. Yeah, she, and then, poop, she pooped in these like, for the rest <laughs> of her life. That poor girl was known as Scratch and Sniff. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, she took a gamble, she took a risk, but it didn't work out. And it's so fucking funny because that's exactly <laughs> in high school. <laughs> oh my god, Scratch and Sniff, and but then he starts seeing this girl that he really has a big crush on, named Dory. Because he the has a local job. manic pixie dream girl. She's really, really hot. And she's, she's always got wearing interesting hair. Yeah, she has like weird silver purple hair. And she's always wearing uh, weird, like laced up to the knee sandals, whatever the fuck that means. Like, I guess. When her but her family were Roman centurions. Yeah, she's wearing centurion boots. <laughs> she's fucking hot. And he's like, I might be a foot guy. So he's into that. <laughs> and uh, they, you know, now that. I guess you don't know until you fuck one, a foot. Yeah, give him the Roman War helmet. <laughs> so he has a little a girlfriend, and then he's going to become homecoming Viscount. And so, you know, that's all happening as he's getting just pu- pushed, pummeled into the world of fucking pill addiction by every at adult age he could trust in his life. or whatever. Fort 16, maybe, at this point. I don't know. And Dory is taking care of her father... As he's dying, like he's dying of cancer, I think. And so he's being prescribed a ton of these pills. And so there's... And she has dropped out of school just to take care of of him. But also, she's like, you know, also like likes a a demon. Taking all of his morphine patches. Yeah. And she's like, I saved... And it's like the night of the the prom or of the... uh, homecoming dance or whatever and she's like I saved this you can only you can only do this once you can only your first you want to be there for your first time there can can only be one first time and it's doing this drug which is like basically scraping the it's fentanyl (laughs) yeah scraping the fentanyl off of the like patch off of the pain patch and then injecting it yeah and like this is what I want to do while we, while we, yeah, pray. which I have to imagine will be difficult. You know what? If you got that fifteen-year-old boner, it takes a fucking meteor to stop <laughs> that thing. <laughs> I mean, there's no force on this earth that can stop a fifteen-year-old boner <laughs> when there's a vagina nearby. <laughs> it's like Excalibur; <laughs> it's been pulled from the stone. So then they, but he's like, oh man, we had sex, but I don't fucking remember yeah. it. It was just like, it's like, I think we did, but I don't know. I'm not sure. But then he's, he knows they did. And he's like, I remember some like, snapshots, but like, I really wish I was there for it. I really wish I paid attention. There was some good shit happened there. But then they're, you know, now they're uh, an item, but it's, it's tainted because it's, it's the drugs more than the sex that is there. Yeah. And they're both addicts at this point, full time. I mean, yeah, he already was. Her he he had worse tried than him. to a little bit to wean off when Angus, I think it was, was like, or um, not Angus, uh, June, the the 
she the, she was dating she, a guy at one point who was a fucking sales rep for you know a pharma company. At the beginning of the of the story, yes. And she's like, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> and but she like, becomes the one woman who's figured out the oxy epidemic ten years before America has. Well, she's a nurse. She's in, she's a fucking yeah. ER nurse, and she comes back to the town to be like by, by her people or whatever. And she's like, everyone's fucked up. It's like you used to see like one or two of these people a month who were addicted like this. Now they're two, one or two a day or something like that. She says a bunch every day. You know, she notices it. So uh, this is where my beer comes in. <laughs> Which take, chill, take a take a chill pill, Lee. <laughs> That's the point. You don't. So when I saw this in the store, I was like, "Wow, they named a beer that." Anyway, fits perfectly with this book. This is called. That's their word. The backslide by Greenpoint, and it was like, "Really, you're naming an alcohol product the backslide?" It's like, mm. it's like all those bars in the city that are like the thirteenth step mm. and off the wagon. It's like, yeah, that's classy, real classy. Classy. Yeah, they're they're uh, frat bro rape spots. Anyway, this is uh, an IPA from uh, Greenpoint. I think a frat bro, uh, frat bro rape spot would be named like the fourth hole. You, <laughs> disgusting. That's another one, yeah. <laughs> Which and uh, yeah, this beer is uh, pretty good and can go anywhere with this book because it's a book about addiction. Speaking of addiction, some people are addicted to helping us out. <laughs> Oh, and joining true. us on Patreon. Some of them aren't. They fucking stopped doing it. <laughs> Someone cold turkey. Maybe they'll get back you'll on be, the wagon. You'll be back. Get back off the wagon. You can't quit us. You'll be chasing this dragon. Uh, so if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys. Classiest segue right there. That is, in, you know, it's in theme with the book. It's enabling. We get all sorts of stuff, like early access to episodes and exclusive content and join us for our live episodes and, I mean, get shouted out and all sorts of other cool stuff. And um, and just have the nice, warm, fuzzy feeling inside that you helped out three degenerate drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do that, we'd really appreciate it. If that's not your thing, that's okay. You could also help the podcast out by just leaving us a review, or if you're listening... Uh, hopefully a good one, and just or just telling someone to check it out, or do all three. Get do the hat trick, you know, get them all in there. That's winning. That's how you win the podcast. So we'd appreciate any or all of those things. But back to the book. So this is where he's like more involved with Dory, but then like everything else in his life falls apart because he's now addicted, and now she's addicted to fentanyl and to oxy and. They, like, start living together in just the most abject squalor that, like, well, you know, he, because, he because he's still in ninth grade. And she's... He moves out because he can't play football anymore because yeah. his knee is fucked. And he's just like, well, I'm just going to go move in with Dory then. And so he leaves. And Coach is too drunk to notice. And so... He, like, moves in with Dory, and Angus is mad. He's like, why are you doing this? You're throwing this everything away. And But they're both addicted, and she just, like, lies around on the, like, couch doing drugs and, like, you know, eating Cheetos and just, like, and it's just total disgusting. Uh, and they, like, don't have electricity all the time or, like, a phone, like, you know, they have a phone or electricity, and, like, eventually they work a little bit, but not that much, and... And then, but also around the same time, 
a demon f- meets back up with fast forward the like oh that was before yeah so the so he's met he's met him before because you know now demon is on the football team and fast forward is like the old like you know hero quarterback but fast forward (laughs) is clearly is clearly like doing like something involved in the drug trade he's you you ever see um uh dazed and confused he's matthew mcconaughey he's the matthew mcconaughey he's like "Ah, high school girls I get old, they stay the same age. <laughs> He's like that guy. And everyone's like, oh, it's fucking fast forward. How cool. And he just like waltzes. And he has like a fucking girlfriend or friend, like a female that's with him that he just treats like dog shit. He treats everybody. He's just a fucking monster. But everyone's enamored with him. And he's like, oh my God. How, he's the coolest dude. And of course, ninth grade. Uh, demon Copperhead, who met him in the fucking uh, uh, creaky farm, where he was, where um, fast forward gave him the nickname Diamond, because he's so hard. Talk about the fifteen-year-old boner, right? Uh, he <laughs> he's like this guy. This guy's the shit. I'll do anything for this guy. So that's like an important part we completely skipped over as usual. Yeah, and also that uh, uh, Demon introduces fast forward to his friend Emmy. And eventually, Emmy starts going out with him. And that's really bad for her. I bet she wishes she could rewind that decision. Mm. You're welcome. I'm welcome. I'm here all week. (laughs) (laughs) And so, his life falls apart because he's, like, on drugs. And then, like, also, also Emmy just, like, disappears. And June is, like, losing her mind uh, because she just, like, you know, is on drugs and everyone is on drugs. And then after like what seems like a really long time, but, but demon is actually still now only 15 Dory dies. Well, after she's pregnant. Oh yeah. That there you go. Maybe he's never really sure. Yeah. Did you say she's pregnant? So he he was like, but he's going to try and break up with her or he was going to, but then she goes, I'm pregnant. It's like, Oh, Oh no. And because she's a malnourished full-time drug addict, her cycle is irregular at best and kind of zonky. So he's like, I think she was pregnant, but uh, you never really know. Like if she just had a miscarriage or she just had a, you know, something going on. This would be the way, by the way, be the second pregnant woman in his life to have died because his mother was pregnant when she overdosed. Yes. And he talked about, you know, potential younger brother he was going to have and he was so excited. That's foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, it is. He's like, wow, that's a bummer. And now she dies of uh, of an overdose, and like, uh, and that's terrible. And then eventually, um, and he still, I felt like so many things happened in this book that he must be like thirty years old at this point, but he's actually still only fifteen. He's like the Forrest Gump of fucked up shit. <laughs> like, he just gets involved in everything. Anything you can imagine and going he's wrong. he's like for... drawing this like comic for the newspaper called The Redneck. Because he like knows. Because the other guy that is like publishing the newspaper is his friend from foster care. It's Tommy Waddles, right? Is it mm-hmm. Tommy? Tommy. Tommy, the, the one who was like kind of dweeby and weird and... Not mush mouth, the other one. Not into, well, not like the fucking psychopathic half man. He, he got his own, he, he made it out of, he aged out of foster care. 
and then got his own job and has worked his way up to being like helping out with the local paper, placing the ads, doing the layouts for the paper. And then eventually, because, you know, newspapers are not doing well at this time, he's like, they have him just, we can't pay anyone else. You're doing the whole paper. And so that's why he's like practically doing the whole paper. And I guess, you know, it's like, you don't really need this for a paper, but I've been trying to, I forgot to drink this beer earlier. Um, uh, but they do everything in this town, I have to imagine, almost everyone for everything is unlicensed. He does try to drive Angus's car at one point when he does not have his license. <laughs> no, they mentioned that he has a, he, well, at some point he has a license because you just take the class and you get the license when you finish the class, whether or not you actually pass the test. But everyone is driving whatever car they can find that's probably no good for roads and also everyone is DUIing at all times because everyone is methed out or maggot is addicted to meth everyone else is addicted to uh opiates Uh, anyway this is unlicensed and it's an extra special bitter ale and they're all pretty bitter so uh this is 51 percent alcohol but i think it's supposed to say 5.1 it's just a very very tiny period he's also extra special he is extra special and bitter uh this is from fifth hammer you know it's not that bitter maybe that's the extra special part I don't really understand what an extra special friends, bitter ale the is. The real journey was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> This is one of those, like, British beers styles where you're like, this is beer, yes. And it's perfectly fine. Extra special. Everyone in this, you know what? Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to my issues with the book at the end because they can be summed up. Uh, so anyway, he is uh, working for the paper. He's an opiate addict. Uh, Dory's dead. And some other shit happens. And then there's the denouement, right? I forget why it even happens. They're looking... Oh, they, they go looking for Emmy because Emmy's disappeared. Yeah. She's run off with Fast Forward. And eventually, they get word that he's around, but they're not together anymore. And so they go looking for her in the last place they heard. And so June and him and Maggot, I think, all drive down... Oh, and, and, uh, and June's... Uh, uh, hip hop enthusiast brother with the with a gun drive off to hammer? Atlanta. The hammer, it Atlanta, yeah. hammer. Yeah, they go to Atlanta because they hear that that's the last place anyone's seen her, and they find her, and she's in bad shape. Well, fast forward has been essentially pimping her out. She has basically become a drug whore. Yep. He, but but be, at, at fast forwards or too fast forward benefit. But then he ditches. He ditched her and left her behind, uh, drugged out and naked on a bare mattress in a in a abandoned house with two toddlers. Fast forward is what they call an Alabama special. It's Atlanta, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, wrong state. Cool. That's still an Alabama special. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call a waffle home, not a waffle house. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, Jesus, okay, and then. Uh, and they bring her home. And but say, June reveals something important somewhere around here about Demon's father, which has been a mystery the whole time. How he died. Yeah, we know he's dead. And there's been this whole thing throughout the whole book that we never mentioned, of course, where Demon is like, I want to see the ocean. Because he lives in a landlocked, shitty state, I guess. Well, Virginia has coastline, but... But not... Uh, might as well but be they're they're like away. nine hours from the coast where they are in Virginia, so it's far. And... Uh, he wants to see the ocean, but he was born 
with a call. Like he was still in the like amniotic sac when he like flopped out of his mother. So they were like, you can never drown. I go, okay, foreshadowing. And then you find out his father drowned at a place called the Devil's Bathtub. <laughs> which, which a devil's bathtub is when... They, you <laughs> know, you one poop of in the tub. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know if it's a real thing. I'm gonna make one up, and then maybe it's when Jimmy you poop in the. One. It's when you poop in the tub, and the poop touches your arm as it floats by. See, I was gonna say it's when you 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 cram a whole bunch of chili peppers in someone's butthole, and you plug it up like an old stopper, but it's your penis, and then you unplug the devil's bathtub, and you let all that just come right out. That sounds. Like a nightmare for everyone involved. Yeah, well, it's the I just devil. got back from Mexico. It's the devil's bathtub. It's not Jesus's bathtub. <laughs> this isn't a good thing. It's for your enemies. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that one. <laughs> it's what you do to your enemies. Like, hey, hold still for a second. <laughs> Here, eat this. <laughs> then hold no, no, still. You don't, you don't eat it. You just put it up there. <laughs> a hot chili enema. I mean, you could eat it afterwards, but I wouldn't recommend it. No, 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 no. I don't want that. That's upsetting. <laughs> Nate, what would you It's start? like when rabbits eat their own poop to get all the nutrients out of it the second time. Nate, we've offered two, two definitions for a devil's bathtub. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> Nate's like, well, two people go out and have a w- very wonderful evening. And then they take a bath. <laughs> and they shit in the bathtub. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> so when you make you like put a lot of soap, so like tons of bubbles. To, you don't even have to wipe. You think it's clean, you're like look at all the bubbles in this bathtub, but at the bottom, pure shit. Just dookie everywhere. <laughs> Devil's bathtub, baby. It's it's like a chili. A frothy chili. <laughs> but it's like a three layer salad. Mole. <laughs> it is mole, yeah. It's a vague a vague chocolatiness to it. <laughs> These bubbles smell earthy. Uh, so, <laughs> is it mud bath? Are you doing a mud mask? It opens the pores. <laughs> Nate, we're gonna keep going. You gotta, you gotta stop this. You could only, you're the only one that could save us. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I'm not exactly like they sure. Saved Emmy. Why it happens? Uh, so okay, so eventually. Demon, so everyone is now really mad at Fast Forward because they're like, you left her there, you know, like basically, you know, in that state. For dead, basically. And so Demon and Maggot and Hammer, they all go out to try and find Fast Forward. And where do they find him? Because Hammer was also in love with Emmy before she ran away to become a drug prostitute with, with Fast Forward. Hammer was her boyfriend at one point, right? Yeah, but like very briefly, she left him because she said she he was too good for her, and she knew that she was trash. Well, because she's also an addict, a child. Well, she's also the child of you know deceased drug addict parents. Oh yeah, like and, everyone is. Yeah, but they're all kind of you know that that baggage doesn't just you don't get to shirk that easily. So then they they go out looking for him. Where do they find him, Nate? They find him at a waterfall called the Devil's Bathtub. Oh, God. <laughs> He's pooping on this? <laughs> the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very frothy. The water is always run warm. 
<laughs> so, uh, sorry, I had, Maybe I, a, I had to read a, a devil's bath. <laughs> a devil's bath tip could be very, doesn't be disgusting. It could just be when you pee in the bath, Nate. It doesn't have to be. So they find him at this place. It's unseasonably warm, this bath. That that girl that his, was his first girlfriend tells him, like, oh, he's back in town. He's over at the devil's bathtub. You should go. And he, he, wants like see, he wants to see you, demon. And so he was like, okay. Uh, so they all go, but Haver's got a gun with him because he did this. T- I love that Aerosmith song. <laughs> Hammer's got a gun. <laughs> Look out. Janie Breeze has got a gun. Amazing. <laughs> so they go to the devil's bathtub, um, which is apparently just like a really high bunch of cliffs around like a a hole that water flows into endlessly, like like I guess it goes down to hell, you know. But it's like a really dangerous place. People like do cliff diving, but everyone is drunk or you know drugged out. People get fucked up there all the time. And this is where his dad, uh, demon's dad, died long ago because he was I don't know trying to impress his mom, and he like drowned in the waters. And so they get there and. Fast forward is up top on top of the cliff. Dick out, of course, because why not? Um, literally, I'm, we're not making that part up. His, he is dick out. And uh, they're all like, hey, get down here. It's like, no, I'm good up here. And Hammer's got the gun. And, of course, the Rube Goldberg-like devices of, of tripping and misintentions goes wrong. And Fast Forward's friend runs out of the woods where he's been pooping or peeing. They didn't say which. <laughs> <laughs> he was contributing to the bathtub. And, and then it would be a poo then. He was pooing, yeah. And uh, they're like, he yells like, hey, he's got a gun, even though he was just going to put it down and go up and fight fast forward at the top of a cliff, you know, Disney villain style. Um, <laughs> but instead, uh, the guy just yells, he's got a gun, and fast forward just, and he tries to dive off and he trips and his head explodes when he hits the bottom of the cliff. And they're like, oh, that's fucked up. And they all puke, probably. And then the friend dives in, and he's like, I gotta save him. Like, you can't save him, man. His head has exploded. And then that guy gets sucked into the butthole, or the da- the bathtub, Drain. and he drowns. Drain. Yeah. And then Hammer is like, whoops, I gotta go save those guys. And he jumps in, and he also drowns. And you're just like, this has really gotten out of hand, everybody. And like... After 500 pages of, like, just, you know, general uh, sadness, it's like, let's just kill everybody off all at once. And then, uh, and then, and then, uh, what the fuck is his name? Demon is just like, ooh, my knee hurts too much. I'll just wait here while you go to get an ambulance. <laughs> and then they do. And they get the, all the dead bodies, one without a head, and uh, him with his gimp knee, and they drag him out of there, and Maggot is cranked out of his mind because he never got off the crank and uh they bring him all home and you're like well okay i guess that was that and no there's still like another 400 pages you need, you need them to go to jail even though this was definitely like the like the climax of the book this is when the hunchback defeats esmeralda or so. i never saw the movie i don't know or read david copperfield I think in the game copy of someone goes. This is the part where he makes the Statue of Liberty appear again. Oh, okay. (laughs) Brings (laughs) it back. Oh, thank God! I can't believe it was gone. (laughs) Do you know how he did that trick? You must know how he did. 
Yeah, they moved the whole thing with the, the camera on the stage. The whole fucking stage moved. Yeah, yeah. How is that even a trick? It's a trick for TV. It's not a trick for real life. That's a fucking nonsense. Like, yeah, it's, it, TV magicians are not respected. I think among like I, I, stage. I just, I just and feel close like magicians. that's like the same level of like trick as I took your nose and I, like, <laughs> like, I got your nose. Like, yeah, you like the, the, look. Just, I found this quarter. <laughs> <laughs> right behind your ear That's a ridiculously stupid trick Like it's so complicated to do all that I guess but What bullshit Like of course he didn't make it disappear He just He's like look over there And you're like oh fuck it's not over there That was the trick That was the trick I think that is most of magic actually Look over there Oh wait It's gone Well that's misdirection but this, is, this is even like a step This is a step lower than that Where they literally just He put the curtain down and then the whole thing that they're on moves it, it just like three feet to the right. So when he opens the curtain again, the camera's pointing at a different place. They're like, You're oh, just seeing I made it disappear. Ocean. <laughs> it's like, oh, what a, what a wizard. Yeah. Look over there as part of all magic. You'd misdirect them when you do like the, the swap or whatever. So really, but here it was literally just, hey, look over there. <laughs> the literally, trick. you can't look anywhere. So really, else. it's the producer that earns uh, should get the credit, or the camera yes. guy. Oh yeah. yeah. In this case, I'd say so. Ridiculous. It was a different time. It was the eighties. <laughs> he was probably also railing coke. Oh my god! Yeah. Young hot magician. <laughs> Top of the Can world. Only go up from here. <laughs> I made a jet disappear last month. I'm gonna make a fucking statue. Let's get it. So anyway, there's still a lot of things that happen, even though the, it's really just all resolution at this point. So eventually he gets, uh, he gets into, re- so Demon gets into rehab and like, well, a bunch of things happen. He gets into rehab and he starts like drawing more. He has to go to rehab. Yeah, he has to. And, and Don't they get jail time? Well, Maggot goes to jail because he was, because uh, he, he gave Hammer a bunch of crank, which is meth. Uh, before they did this thing, so they're like, "Oh, accessory, you know, shit like that." So, and and Maggot's family is like, the only way he's ever going to get off the meth is if he goes to jail. So he needs this, that, or gets a boyfriend. We're all okay with that. Um, so he goes to jail. Listen, if it needs, <laughs> if it takes a man to fuck him straight. <laughs> What? What does that mean? <laughs> that's that's science. <laughs> We're here for so it. Okay. He goes. To, he goes to jail, uh, and then Demon goes to. He goes rehab. to rehab. Yeah, June gets him into a good one. So Demon's in a halfway house, and there's a lot of stuff here that happens, but nothing that really matters. He's just learning that the city is also a different kind of place, and he meets a second black character, and they're like, "I don't understand the things he's saying." In Virginia, he's got no legs. Yeah, no, they're I where no they're they're in Knoxville and they right. Uh, right, and then for some reason or other, he he goes back for, for to uh, goes back to Lee County for coaches. Reti- oh, we fucking for, skipped a whole thing about U-Haul trying to fuck Angus and then leaving town randomly, and trying to uh, blackmailing by trying to blackmail coach, coach for, for for embezzlement. Even though he was doing the embezzling, I didn't really get it. So this sounds like a Charles Dickens plotline. So uh, even though it's like it's dumb and convoluted, so it sounds like something that probably happened in David Copperfield. Oh yeah, 
But uh, maybe the trying to fuck a kid thing, too. I don't know. But back then, that would have been okay because she was of age at 16 um, or whatever. But he goes back for Coach's retirement party because he's too much of an alcoholic to to coach anymore. And the new coach sucks, but they're going to give him a big celebration thing. And they do it, and it's like, oh, that's nice. And then he goes, he finds out that they're selling the house so that he can afford this little apartment he lives in, and Angus is going to move to some hipster city and, like, raise organic sheep or, like, put on a beret and do beat poetry or some shit, whatever she's doing. (laughs) And then she's like, you know, let's go to the ocean. And he's like, yeah, let's go to the ocean. And also, we're not going to do it yet, but we're going to fuck We're not really siblings. We just were foster siblings for a minute. So it's okay. And that's the end? That's the end, yeah. Hot. (laughs) She was only, I guess she was, he was was like his, he was the adopted kid, or he's like a foster kid for like a year and a half in her house. So they're not really siblings. So it's okay. No, it's it's fine. I mean, it's not like he found her trapped in the, washing machine. He was like, I gotta fuck you. <laughs> like, you know, he's seen porn. <laughs> happens all the time. Yeah, like, how do you get trapped in the dryer? Like, that's fucking enormous. Like, you're an, an, an 97-pound woman. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think of it? So, I know we always say things are too long, but this really was. Okay, I did really like it. It was good, but because it's trying to match, or at least I'm assuming trying to match, like event for event, like plot point for plot point, in it is sticking pretty in close the very. I'm sure you know, in in David Copperfield, you know, by Charles Dickens, it which like his other stuff has so many things happen in them. So like that, what that's why this has to be so long. It there's just. Just a lot of things. Like, if the purpose was to, like, make a... Was to just do David Copperfield, but in Appalachia, it still didn't need to be this long. Was it it, it a point to write a book about the opioid epidemic? It didn't need to be this long. I still liked it, though. I did. And there's just a million things happening. There's a ton of plot all the time. And you're interested. And, of course, you still really like Demon. And you're, you know... You want to find out that what happens next and that he's going to be okay, even though he's never okay. And it's all, everything is like so terrible, but there's still just like so much. It's, it's, it's 19 books in one, totally. Jimmy, you, I'm surprised because you normally are the most generous raider of us. And I said you gave this three stars, which is low I for g- you. I gave it four at first and then I was talking about it with people and like thinking about it more, and I downgraded it. I'd say three and a half, but that's not an option. Right. Um, I I liked most of it overall. I just had there was a few things throughout it that like just I didn't I just didn't like. I didn't think it was done well. Besides it being too long, and you know maybe sticking they, they could have cut a bunch of sub stuff and characters and not affected the overall story at all. Like at some point, like uh, there was like there's there was Rose and there was another girl with an R name and I couldn't tell which one was which. I was figuring like who is who because there's so many fucking characters and most of them besides like the top five or seven don't matter. Don't matter. A lot of it like the whole U-Haul thing could have been done without and it wouldn't have affected the overall story at all. 
especially the thing of him trying to bang Emmy, uh, Angus. See, too many fucking people. Um, what so besides the... that, it being too long, there were there were there were a few issues. Not primarily, but one of them was I found it. I found him as the narrator. If I'm if I am to believe that this is him narrating his own life, he is too clever for what he is purported to be, which is a kid who never really did any part of school. Not to say like people who need to go to school are clever, but like he makes allusions to things and talks about stuff that how would he have any idea these things even happened or knew they existed? Well, I mean, I, I, I know, I, I know it's cause it's, you know, poetic license or whatever. And I get that, but sometimes it felt more like Barbara King solver was like, Hmm, do you see more than the character? If it was like, if it was like a, a narrator, it would have been one thing, but it was like him. It, it, I found it at times, not most of it, but like 20% of it, it didn't really feel like it was actually something. It was. It wasn't believable that he would be saying these things. But is, is it possible? I mean, he, has he sanitized or you know fixed up his own story? You know, it's not like no. He's I'm not. Telling not it, in terms it's, of it's like it's all reflect. It's all looking back, yeah. right? I don't. I don't know how old he is allegedly when he is telling this. He could be much older, and it just sometimes it felt a little like the way the the dumbest way I could think of this. To to uh, the dumbest way I could explain how this is is when Joey got his own spinoff of Friends. <laughs> you know, jo- they had that show Joey for one season. Oh man! Yeah. And uh, the review was like, the problem with Joey is that Joey's an idiot, and since Chandler's not around to make the smart comments anymore, now they give those lines to Joey. It doesn't make any sense. That's not the character. And I'm not saying that Demon is an idiot. He's not. He's obviously a smart dude. He is a very capable. It just felt at times like it, it just it just felt more at times like Barbara Kingsolver was ham fisting in messages that someone of this time in this place would not have said or thought. And you know that that was that was not like a big concern of mine. I wasn't like, oh, this is unbelievable. I hate this. That was just like a little thing. Mostly for me, what it was was the main. I think the main issue I had with this book was, you know, David Copperfield was about how the child poverty system in England was trash, right? Yeah. And this was kind of like about how it is here is trash, and about the opioid epidemic and all that shit, and how you know shining a light on this thing and this member of society and in these and these people and we should absolutely feel bad for these people but she made all of them i think a little bit too like acceptable for a well-read liberal audience and i say that as a violent leftist like it's funny that you say violent leftist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm more so than you know the, her audience probably, but it's just like they're in they're in deep Appalachia, Virginia, and he's he is a staunch atheist. His best friend is a gay kid. His girlfriend is like a dyed hair thing. No one's a racist in this book except some of the parents don't like a black teacher. And no one talks about religion at all, except like in passing, like only like the bad characters. Like he's, she's made this like group of people that we 
or the, her readers, she feels, like the Pulitzer crowd, could feel bad for. Because like, if they were a bunch of fucking, not to say that people from the area are all dumb yokels, they're not. But if she made it like more representative of what you know, we would think of people like this area are actually like, like they are very religious. And in the 90s in southern western Virginia, I would be amazed if they weren't a little bit homophobic at times. But no one gives Maggot shit for being gay, except like they mentioned offhand, like he got a bad name once. But Stoner, I feel like she made Stoner doesn't allow Stoner. Yeah, doesn't but he's allow a bad guy to see him. Right? He's but like, like he's but the no one, one bad else guy. Is like, hey, get that. it together, dude. You're being homophobic. Yeah, but it's but all the main characters are like, he's fine. I just wish he'd find a nice boyfriend. And it's just to me, yeah, but that's it's at felt, the end when it's like 2010, like whatever it was. It's like it's like maybe two thousand and five or some shit by then, maybe. But it's it's like it for me. It just felt a little bit more like she just couldn't. Why couldn't we feel bad for people who maybe we don't agree with about shit like that? It just feels a little sanitized. It feels a little unrealistic. Not sure. to say that everyone from this area is a racist homophobe. I know they're not. But like every main character in this book are enlightened holds all the same social opinions as people who would be reading this book. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I think one possible explanation is that the characters are all like the castaway reject characters. And that's a cliche in anything where like all the weirdo kids end up together and therefore end up being way more tolerant in a way. But like their like parents too in this. What, or, you know, what, what, what passes Angus, for parents, Angus's dad was, was absent. He was there in financially. He was a football coach. But he didn't he never communicated with the children. He never in, interacted with them. No. And then and you know, Demon's mom is dead early in the book. Maggot's and mother's she, in jail. And she the, was a staunch atheist and hated God. Angus did. Right? Uh, no, uh Demon Demon's mom. Well, I mean, she had been she was a, a abused child of the foster system. So it's like Yeah. I know they all they all have like certain reasons. It just so, something of it felt to me like it was like it got gussied up a little bit for the reader. I'm sure any book like this will in their like awards bait kind of thing, but yeah, it, it felt a little bit like awards bait. Like I think it like if some of them did hold those opinions, like you don't, oh, that's shitty, but you still you would still feel bad for them. Well, probably not. I mean, there are plenty of people who would be like, I don't feel bad. He's a homophobe. Yeah, he's not worthy of my. But I think it. Sympathy. I think it makes there it are a, many people like that. It's like it's it's one of those. It's like when we. Uh, it's what, what the fuck? What, what what did we just read that was like everyone was shitty and you're supposed to feel bad for them? Corrections. Anyway. Corrections, kind of. Yeah, maybe something. It was something else where they were like they were just all broken, but there was like a book we read. I forget what it was. Or it was like succe- it's like Succession, you know, where everyone's a shit. Everyone in that mo- show sucks. They're all bad people, but you still like it's written well enough that you kind of. You, you hope you, you're hopeful for them, but they're all monsters, and that's what this didn't really get for me. Not that it was badly written; I thought it was very well written. It just it struck me as a little, a little up its own ass at times. See, I, I agree with you that it was too long. Both of you it's guys, too, it was it's just definitely too, too much. Long. It was just too long. It was great. I liked it. I liked reading it. I disagree about it being, you know, fiction. I mean, first of all, Barbara Kingsolver is a woman of the South. She's from Kentucky. 
Well, she 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 grew up there, and she uh, she moved to like Africa with her parents for relief work or some shit or medical stuff. But she is. So I, I believe that she understands. She understands the area. I I don't doubt that she got that part wrong. And so, but she she threw in a bunch of shit. Also, like the teacher. The teacher was one of the weirdest characters for me. The the black teacher, where it was like, oh, that the, uh, explaining to the kids the Confederate flag, and they're like immediately like, oh, I get it. That makes sense. That doesn't happen now. Or like ex- when he was started explaining why you want to, they were just like, huh, interesting point, and they never. But came they back all agree and they get it. And then like they they when they fucking he starts talking to them about why you would capitalize black that for black stuck people. out like, to me as like that's anachronistic. That hadn't happened yet. Yeah, well, I mean, a, it had happened amongst like academics and like they've been talking about that for a hundred years, but it didn't happen in middle school in Western Virginia in two thousand and one. Like it didn't happen. But a teacher could have insisted on that. A teacher could have, but it, it, it strikes me as maybe a little bit weird that every kid in the class was just like, oh, yeah, I get it now, 100%. Because people fight back on that shit right now. Yeah, but children just kind of go along with what they're told, and if they have no parents in their yeah. lives to and tell them. And I guess them. you only really get Demon's perspective, and he just I goes with it because he's... I, I did, I did notice people's. that. It was like the, the capital B black thing. That's like a since 2020 thing. Yeah, it's, it's new. Any major, you know, publisher is like that's what we're going to do now. And he talks about the Battle of Blair Mountain, which we didn't even learn. We, no one learns about that in school because there's no time. I don't know shit about that. Huh? I don't know shit about it. I said, let me. I made a note. Let me look that shit up. But I never did. That's the. That is the first time, or the only time, that uh, bombs were dropped from airplanes during a battle. On American soil, because they were bombing, striking miners. Like the Pinkertons were at war with miners against the coal companies, and they were literally dropping bombs from airplanes on the miners oh, because they were striking and saying, "Like, please, we don't want to live in company <laughs> towns anymore." And then they blew them up. I mean, all that's st- I, I think Robert Kingsolver's thing. What I've what I've read about this book and her interviews with her and stuff. She's like. These are people that are get that get forgotten and ignored and and I think she's totally right. But when you, but when you say why weren't some of the characters more homophobic or more because that's a fucking caricature of those people. And she's it's, it's trying a, to be like it's a caricature not just like that. Yes, but to say every character in this book is totally like Enlightened and left wing. Almost in every character was a scumbag. There were like three sympathetic characters. Yeah, there was a, there was way more than three sympathetic characters. They're sympathetic, but you feel bad for them. Demon is is like a naive idiot. Like he doesn't know anything. He's, he doesn't. He knows have a lot of stuff. He's very no, but he doesn't know anything. He's not knowledge. He doesn't have hate. He doesn't have prejudice. He's just like I just want to not be hungry. I just want to not be neglected. Angus. The girl, like she, she has opinions, and she's like educated, and, and she like we should have better education here. And then the school board is like, we need that money for football. But then, and yeah. Maggot is like clear, like some fucking going through something, goth kid or whatever he is. He's a gay goth meth addict. Yeah, but every other, like every other character, is, like, any other major character is a piece of shit. We're not supposed to sympathize the, with that. Maggot's uh, grandparents are cool, and June's, uh, you know, a, a savior. Sure, but she's a victim to and the, the one teacher, point. The teachers the are... They disappear from the plot. But, like, you have lots of villains, right? Like, anybody who Maggot... Uh, not Maggot, excuse me, uh, Demon. 
the first half of the book. Like every adult is just an abusive piece of trash. And then he changed, he trades them in for abusive 20 year olds piece of trash. <laughs> Fast forward. Yeah. I mean, I guess the villains, I feel like there's less villains. There's more just like everyone's shitty and broken because of a lot of them because of poverty. Some of them are actual evil people, but I, I don't know. I think it's just, it's hard. I don't know. It just, it parts of it just rub me weird and not in a cool way. I just find out you're going to give them, you're going to give people the benefit of the doubt. But like they're not a bad person. It's because they're poor. They made bad decisions. I mean, that's for the, for the like, and yet, and, and the, and yet you're like, but these characters aren't racist enough for me. <laughs> No, it's not that it's not that they're not racist enough. It's like that all the main characters, I think, it, it just it, it. I don't know. I, I I know it's hard. It's it's hard. It's confusing to me saying it out loud. They just they don't feel like they're they're too they're too perfect. They're too good. All of them are too good. They're too perfect. They're too like like the main characters, the ones like the ones you're supposed to like pull for. They're all too like just. They don't do anything besides, you know, they get addicted to shit, but that's not their fault, you know, and it's not. Well, that, Addiction may, be, is not that may be your perspective living in New York. A lot of people are going to say, drug addict, he's a piece of shit. And he made bad decisions and he's a bad person. You guys both know I have a deep understanding of drug addiction. Dude, I understand that. And you I do, do too. too. And, and many it's, it's people not... look at that and they're like, that's a person's failing. That's a person's failure. So maybe by making him more sympathetic, she's attempting to get other people to understand that the people in those kind of positions didn't start out as pieces of garbage, right? Yeah, I, c- I can understand that part. That that I get. Like we're supposed to root for Demon. We're supposed yeah. to be on his side, and then when he gets swept up into pills and fentanyl and whatever, we're supposed to see him as a victim. But society still very largely yeah. doesn't see it that way. Like it's you know, it's like the Mitch Hedberg thing, like addiction's the only disease you can get yelled at for having. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's something element of that. Yeah, I mean I could see that. I guess I guess because and, I understand that that part seemed right, it's odd to lost me. on you. But I think I think the character of the book, maybe what you're maybe the character it's allegorical to a degree, right? Like the character is supposed to represent things. And we're supposed to be like, oh, that's that fucked up thing. Oh, that's that thing that doesn't, that's the thing we don't do well. I mean, and she, you know, maybe that's why they're kind of simple in some ways. That they're rounded off. Because we're not supposed to worry about like, what what motivates this character? We're supposed to be like, oh yeah, he represents this fucked up thing that happens. Maybe because it's all one for one with David Copperfield and all those old timey 1800s characters were very, not one dimensional, but they were very... They weren't. Uh, there was a different aesthetic to characters back then. Well, thank goodness she didn't pick a book with a guy who was like the Jew. Him <laughs> 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 in the book. I don't know if there are any Jews in this book. No, Joe. What do you think, Nate? Were there any Jews? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had a recommendation, I would say she just didn't need to copy every plot point in David Copperfield. Could have kept like the big things. In like the main things, and not just it like could have been streamlined. Because when 
Dickens wrote David Copperfield. I'm sure it was published serially, meaning just like one or two chapters at a time, meaning some sort of plot had to happen every chapter. Some like big, dramatic, unexpected plot point, you know, had to happen every chapter because that's the way Oliver Twist was. And so it just means a million things happen. Just a million It also means that... And when we read Oliver Twist, it's like the first half or like the first third is okay and is the part you might remember. And then the second half, you just just forget it. It's just all stupid. Just all dumb. You just don't need that many extra things. Also, when you have all that extra shit, it takes away from stuff that I think should be bigger. Like when Dory dies, like... He comes home and finds his fucking partner dead of an overdose. And for like one chapter, there's a funeral. And then besides like one fucking paragraph, a few like halfway between then and the end, like they don't even fucking mention it again. From his perspective, he should be fucked up. Mm-mm, yeah. It's just another thing that happened to him. Yeah. I was like, whoa, yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, if that much bad shit happens to you, maybe you stop acknowledging it or stop, it stops affecting you that much. But like, so you've got to cram all this other shit in there. There's no time for the big things to actually happen. Well, we need 19 more subplots. We'll get over the whole dead partner thing. And the whole, like, the dead mom thing, you know, glosses. You don't gloss over it, but... It came back to that many times. It, yeah. I mean, just uh, There are certain things that happen that I feel like there's no time for them when they should have mattered more. There's so much other filler that it pushes the important stuff out of the way. So it's not just too long. It's like it focuses on bullshit over things that could be more substantive, I think. And that's part of because it had to be one for one with Dickens. That's, that was not necessarily her fault, but it was her choice to do it that way, which was odd. I think if she caught the broad points, people would be like, I get the David Caulfield stuff. But to have to be like sentence by sentence, what do I do? It feels a little weird. Apparently she... Stayed in a bed and breakfast where, like, that Bleak House was based on, or his name, whatever, has something to do with Bleak House. And she went into the room, the study where Dickens must have written at one point, and she, like, quote unquote, spoke to Dickens. Okay, I hate How her. How do I tell this story about my people, you know, the opioid and et cetera? And he's like, make it from the kid's perspective. No one can't, you can't not believe a kid. And she, like, thanks, Ghost of Charles Dickens. Like, this is a real thing. You look this up. I'm not making this any of this up. Mm, I hate that. I, I, I found it. I found that really obnoxious as well. <laughs> I did find one thing very interesting though, because like you, you, you said, Jimmy, that she, you, you felt like she made this sanitized for a you know liberal reading audience. But there's no a way. line early on when he's talking about his uh, who he is and his people. The world's not all short on this type of thing. It turns out all down the years, words have been flung like pieces of shit, only to get stuck on a truck, a bumper with up yours pride, rednecks, moonshiners, ridge runners, hicks, deplorables. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> I was like, ooh, spicy. Yeah. But I don't think, I mean, I was like, where's she going with that? You know, because... That was like the most like stupid line Hillary said in 2016, <laughs> the basket of deplorables line, and but then like that became like a thing like like first of all, like 
it wasn't a thing when this book date it's another like anachronistic thing or is it because he's a grown up looking back and whatever it doesn't matter but yeah, they don't really say when he is narrating from because it ends when he's 18 but it's like is she saying i mean is she making a comment like about this kind of the flyover country people that were supposed to realize that they like have their own fucking issues and not just be like oh they're rednecks I don't know. I'm not really sure where she was going with that, honestly. But like, I feel like she's trying to say that wasn't a throwaway word in a book of this length. There's no point. No, where yeah. She was like, no. I don't know, uh, unlikable, so the deplorables. That sounds fine. Like, that was no, clearly was targeted. A hundred percent. I think she's, you know, what she's trying to say is like people from other places just generalize these people as that. And I know it's not that. I just I felt like it was. Like there's, I guess there is, should be some diversity of thought among characters, I guess. But there is. Some of them are some not of them do math, the some caricature. do opiates. <laughs> no, but some of them are not the caricature Bible thumpers. Some of them are not the redneck hillbilly caricatures. But there isn't one Bible thumper. There isn't one real racist. There aren't any. So you're disappointed that she didn't make them more cartoonishly stereotypical? <laughs> I I just thought it was like it it just it felt a little a little sanitized. Like people are complex. There's nothing wrong. I mean, yes, there's something wrong with being a racist, certainly. But there's nothing is there wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting point. Uh, <laughs> freedom of thought. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having nothing, characters with flaws. There's nothing, yeah. Character, sh- characters should have flaws besides a drug addiction that was no fault of their own. It's more realistic. Well, and to have, if it was like one character, like the main character, sure, I'll give him that. If they were a nice dude, I get it. But it's like every one of the main characters, to me, just felt a little like besides, besides a drug addiction, you know, perfect. Like, wouldn't harm a fly, great people. Well, could her... Just had this thing foisted upon them. Could her point about, the, you know, the characters don't have flaws or whatever. They become drug addicts. Could her point be that these people are... are could she really be trying to hammer on, these people are victims, too? I think she's definitely that saying they that they are victims of circumstance, and... not victims even of their own poor decisions. That their decisions are... Their decision-making is hamstrung because yeah. they live in... A, a world of limited options, because these which is the same excuses foisted upon them. But we we make we, you know people are, are very comfortable and and rightfully so, perhaps rightfully so, rightfully so talking about oh well you know people in the inner city making bad decisions like that. You're like oh, yeah, that's what they fucking know. And then everyone's like, oh, the liberal audiences are like, yeah, that's yeah, I get it. Yeah, but no, but like, just, maybe her point is thing. be like, hey, like these people that you're like, oh, these shitty hillbilly people, they're similar. They are also in a fucking you know, terrible, sick circumstances. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. But maybe that's what her point is, because I, I don't think that that is as widely accepted of the of her audience, the liberal reading people of the coasts, the Oprah's <laughs> Book Club readers. Could it be that I was too woke for this book? I could be. Fuck. I'm not. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I mean, it could it could be that I already. You already knew it. You're so woke, it. you went all the way back around. Oh, I'm God, sleeping. I'm horseshoeing. I'm horseshoeing. All right, so... It's definitely possible. So who should read it? Well, Oprah. I want a fucking Pulitzer, so, you know, I don't know. It's Did a fucking... Ron, it is a bit of a slog. It's not... It it's, is, not it's really long. It's, it's really long. It's just long. It's fine. I enjoyed it. Part, I enjoyed it parts of it 
parts of it are a slog, but not any long parts because none of the parts are that long. There's just so many small parts that small parts can be slogs, but it's never like, it's not like Oliver Twist where the middle two thirds is a slog. <coughs> it, move, it moves quickly, but there's so goddamn much of it, it will take a long time. It is a long read. I liked it, but it's, it's, just, it's just a lot of book. It's not hard. I, I did like it. I'm shitting on it maybe too much, but I had a few problems with it. But I, wouldn't say, I would never say that it is a bad book. It is, it is good. I just Parts of it I didn't really enjoy. It does portray a group of people that are not often portrayed in literature, or at least not in the, like, you know... Not since Huck Finn. Highbrow literature. You, you right. know, you have to kind of write. It's kind of like Huck Finn is one of the last books... That is, it is Although that's not true, Killing Mocking To Kill a Mockingbird is a little bit also, except that's from a perspective of someone who's actually educated and enlightened. What was that? What was it? Uh, the Glass Castle, which is so that's not fiction. Fucking, it's autobiography. Yeah, that's an autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> a, I mean, this is really Hillbilly Elegy is the, the oh, right, other yeah. book that's closest. Well, that's also and, just a memoir. That's not right. That's like, not fiction. The same group. Yeah, in terms of fiction, I'm sure. In, in terms of high profile fiction, I don't know any. But it's it's the it's hillbilly elegy, glass castle type people that are, you know, that that that's that's who she's talking about. It is not a commonly used area for fiction. Well, she did enough to cover it for a while. It's enough yeah. fiction here. Three books at least. There's enough book here. But I think anyone who likes fiction should read it. It's a longer book. It's not a hard book. It's just an investment of time, not necessarily of energy. You don't have to work hard. Like It's pretty fucking clear what she's saying about drugs, about failed systems. And the Sacklers all got away with it, so, you know. <laughs> They're going to lose some of their money, but not all that much. No, they, they moved it all to a, uh, a foundation, so it can't be taken, so it's okay. The foundation that pays them. That's what we need to do, guys. We need to make a foundation. With both dollars? <laughs> Dibs. All right. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. And you can give us money and we will spend it only on beer. Nothing, nothing harder. I mean, we're alcoholics. D- it depends. You can also join us on Goodreads and reads all the goods with us. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.